0: And I am back To let me think out loud hosted by yours truly JPU. Pugh 12 days out Decision 2016 Hillary Clinton Versus Donald Trump I can't tell you what's gonna happen All I know right now is the polls show Clinton ahead. They show ahead between anywhere between three points and all the way up to nine points. But if you want to put this in the football terms, we're in a two-minute drill. And this is where the great ones are made. And right now, my team's got the ball. We're on the 40-yard line. And we just got to kick a field goal. That's it. That's it, folks. It's a chip shot. So Clinton can't screw this thing up. On today's show, it's wall-to-wall politics. I got my boy back with me, John Jackson. We're discussing down-ballot races. We're discussing President Obama's post-presidency efforts to help reshape the map. But what do you mean by that, Justin? Well, right now, Democrats are losing nationwide. We can win a whole lot of White Houses between now and the next probably three or four cycles. The demographics tell us that. But right now, if we can't give our presidents a House and a Senate, and if we can't win back some of these governorships and some of these state houses around the country, it's all for naught, because all politics are local. We're then going to be discussing the 2016 race. Where is it at? But right now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I got my boy back with me, Mr. John Jackson. John, you there? I'm here, I'm here. All right, my friend, let's get to it. All right, so okay, it's been a while. It's been about two weeks. Um, and um, you know, I've been kind of you know slack on my duties with with uh, with my little experiment here. But the most important thing I want to talk to you about is something that I think you're passionate about. It's something that I know you're passionate about, and that's the down ballot races. So tell me exactly why Democrats are losing at the down-ballot area?
1: Well, it's something that, um, you know, in order for the down-ballot to be successful, you would need essentially um, a candidate like Barack Obama at the top of the ballot. We have um, come to the point, you know, Democrats have come to the point where our electorate is uh, often not included in the likely voters. And so right now, the down-ballot forecasts are are pretty mixed because a lot of people who are part of the modern Democratic Party electorate are not included in likely voters. I think that's a mistake. Um, I think the Democrats do better on the down-ballot than expected, but not as good as they could do. If you know, better efforts over the past couple of years were were made. Um, I think if the shortcomings that we have here in Georgia are what's going on around the country, I I completely understand why down-ballot successes is is not occurring. You know, I've been pretty involved in politics here in Georgia, and I think, um, you know, it's the problems you have in Georgia are in other states. It's it's just other states are, are probably uh, a little more lucky to have a, a better, more organized party infrastructure that uh, plans ahead and uh, engages the voters on a regular basis. And so um, but, you know, I think it's a it's a real loss for Democrats.
0: That Let me ask you this. OK, so back in 2009, after President Obama swept uh, swept through and we had probably one of the biggest wins since the 1960s um, you know the president really um, lifted the Democrat Party, the Democratic Party um, out of the doldrums in a sense um, after the Bush era. And the Republicans got together and 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 organized um, this call it Operation Red map where they injected 30 million dollars nationwide into these obscure, Small, local races. We're talking local state senator here, a local state senator there, um, an obscure governor's race here. And before you know it, now you have the Affordable Care Act. You've got TARP. And now you have a really unpopular president going into 2010. And we got absolutely shellacked in 2010. And not only talking about 2010, 2014 to the tune that this president Barack Obama has overseen the largest the largest loss in the house and in the senate since 1960 and it correct me if I'm wrong I think it it might go further it might go further than that but this president has presided over losing more more seats in the house than any president in recent memory and, why and, is
1: that? And I can explain that. You know, this is my theory on it. As a black man, President Obama's path to victory was creating his whole new electorate. Essentially, you know, what Trump's trying to do now uh, cre- he had to create his whole new electorate. Basically, this electorate was comprised of people who are never considered likely voters. You're young people. Uh, African-Americans in larger volume, Latinos in larger volume, Asians in larger volume, um, young professionals, and and just way larger volume. And so uh, he brought a lot of American voters out that normally would not have been out to vote. And um, the issue with that is that those type of voters tend to be attached to a candidate or a movement. It's hard to get them to be permanent likely voters. It takes mm. a lot of work.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, when you drop from over 50% turnout to midterms going into the 30s
1: or lower. Or lower, you know, th- yeah. in some spots even lower. You know, that's going to advantage the Republicans because the likely voters, the traditional likely voters of America, um, who come out regardless of what's going on, um, are going to be your older white people. And I think you do have democratic voters who come out every election, but they're not the majority. They're older. Um, you know, they're generally older white liberals or they are, um, older, uh, black folks who are, you know, generally involved in the church and, Uh, live in, you know, majority African-American communities, but that they're not, they're not anywhere close to the majority of the Democratic electorate. And so you had this, you had the momentum fall off so much. And then you had Democrats, we've talked about this again, who ran from the president. They did not want the president's help.
0: Absolutely. And that, I I still think that was an absolute crying shame. And I, you know, you heard me on social media for years calling them lily liver Democrats who just absolutely, ran from Barack Obama, even though he was their greatest strength, as you can see right now. Like right now, you've got a basically Hillary Clinton running kind of as an incumbent on the coattails of a president with an approval rating of, you know, damn near, you know, 57 percent. But go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: But, you know, and I think Hillary's doing that because it's a data driven campaign. You know, I think someone like Robbie Muck, who's a millennial. I mean, he's he's young. He's data driven. He probably told her, "Hey, you're going to have to bring out um, some of, at least some of Obama's electorate to win." this. some, and so you, you
0: some know, is an understatement. <laughs> she wouldn't know, be and, winning right now with without the Obama coalition.
1: No, she would not. And I do think she's going to bring out a, a decent amount of them, which which is why you know I'll, I'll go into later why I think the polls are not as close as they state because. Too much of the Obama electorate is not being included in the likely voters, and so you know that being said, um, you know it was really stupid in 2010 and 2014 for candidates to run from the most popular Democrat in the entire country. The Democrat they needed to get Democrats out. He, you know, he's someone who unites the far left and your more traditional Democrats who are more who are more center left, and so. Um, I think that, uh, they were trying to run, uh, more of the old democratic party that was more populous, but it appealed to your working class or maybe poor whites who without a college degree. And, um, it was a grave, grave mistake to try to get them to vote Democrat because there, there's only segments and clusters of, of, of folks like that in the country who even still still vote Democrat and they're in places like Kentucky, Indiana, West Virginia, and they'll only do it for the right Democrat, the, the Democrats that they trust. But most Democrats won't be able to get their votes. And I think so, it's really pointless to build a strategy off them. So uh, our down ballot failed. Uh, you know, I think it would have failed anyways, but it wouldn't have failed by as much.
0: By we, much, right.
1: We, we we basically wouldn't have got as, as pillaged as much, you know. Maybe would have lost some seats, but maybe held their own in, in some of the more competitive districts.
0: So, so in, in, in recent in recent days, uh, back, uh, back last week, um, the Washington Post reported that the president is going to his post presidency is going to uh, begin with an ambitious effort um, in redistricting. Um, he's going to, along with uh, former Attorney General Eric Holder, um, assist in one, trying to change laws, and then two, of course, supporting candidates down ballot in an effort to reshape the map going into 2020. Of course, we all know that 2020 is not only a presidential year, but it's also a kind of a midterm year as well, coupled with. It being a census year. So um, th- th- what is the president hoping to do by putting his name forward or putting his uh, his 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 power forward, his his name forward to to help change or reshape the map towards a, a, a more Democratic base? Well,
1: President Obama is going to be relevant in the Democratic Party till the day he dies. He's the first black president he's loved he's especially loved by you know people who are left of center who are who identify as Democrat or progressive and even the majority of the progressive wing of the Democrats like him you know there's there is your Bernie type folks who hate him but they, they were never Democrats to begin with but anyways. I think there's going to be a partisan aspect of this. You know, of the partisan the partisan aspect is redistricting uh, districts towards in Democrats' favor, and I disagree with that because I I think uh, we should make it fair. But I don't I don't know about uh, continuing this grudge match of gerrymandering it to our advantage or their advantage. I, I actually want to see more competitive districts and see more people just went over the population to a progressive message instead of not being challenged and then we have these um, basically worthless members of the Democratic caucus like a lot of our congressional black caucus they're, they're worthless and you know <laughs> if, if you gerrymander more you're gonna see more of those you know worthless old guard Democrats who people who are stake here. out
0: these seats for 20 30 years and you know never okay. go anywhere.
1: And they're yeah. they're not going to bring anything profound forward for the people, and right. they're just going to go with the establishment. And, you know, while I'm not a Bernie crat, I do believe the establishment needs to be challenged, and the Congressional Black Caucus w- is rarely going to do that because they're they're there to just maintain their power and status.
0: And, In and fact, I think uh, the, a quote from the Washington Post article, um, and this is uh, from 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 Eric Holder, um, Attorney General Eric Holder said, uh, "Americans deserve fair." maps that represent our diverse communities and we need a coordinated strategy to make that happen this unprecedented new effort will ensure democrats have a seat at the table to create fair maps after 2020 again 2020 is a an extremely important year i i cannot even express into words how important it is for democrats to at one to win back the house. There is there is no post 2020 um without Democrats winning back the house um and trying to reshape state legislatures that can help us recreate maps that make the diverse com- you know that make our diverse communi- uh, communities um more representative uh in the uh, body politic. But my question to you is this is is with that being said is it not true that in order for us to reshape the map democratic voters going to have to go where democratic voters don't want to live at some point in time because right now we've got a we've got a map that is so red especially in ru- the rural midwest the, the 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 rural you know midwestern states uh tornado alley going from Texas all the way up to to uh to North Dakota where there's representatives there's a representative government there there's a body politic there that's not representative of 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 uh of any democratic values so how are we going to reshape the map if we're all clumped in Los Angeles and New York and Charlotte and Raleigh dorham in Atlanta and Miami how how are we going to reshape get the
1: really map some really good points um Here's the funny thing. Here's, here's what we need to remember. The last time Democrats had majority, there were still conservative districts, white conservative districts, white districts where a large portion of the people don't have a college degree that were held by Democrats. Well, and that was, that, that was a large portion of the Blue Dog Co- Coalition. Some of them weren't even blue dogs. Some of them were like Jack Murphy. I don't know if you remember him, up in Pennsylvania.
0: No, I do. Know? Trust me, I do. The, the
1: marine. The marine. The and marine. he was in a rural. He was in a rural district. But that guy was a liberal. But he back then, you know, you still had a progressive sect of, um, for lack of a better term, working class white people, um, who voted progressive because. They maybe belong to labor unions. Right. And they were voting their pocketbook. Well, post Obama era, that's gone away. Jack Murthy's district is not going to probably go Democratic yet. Um, Because, you know, he even said himself before he died he said, and he was an outspoken guy, he said, a lot of people in my district are racist. They probably (laughs) won't vote for Obama because they're just downright racist. He came under a lot of fire for it. He called it like it is. He was but he right. called it like
0: it is. I mean, he called it like it and, is. And
1: so, so, these districts that are filled with just racist, ignorant—you know—they're not horrible people. They. This is what they know. You know, they, this is this is the life they know. They're 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 kind of bigoted. They're kind of uh, ignorant. And I don't think they're going to go Democrat that easily unless. Um, Unless we try to out Republican the Republicans in some districts, and then somehow uh, get those folks to vote with the Democrats once they get in office. Well, I say
0: this: we're, out- we're not going to out Republican Republicans. I don't even think Republicans know who the hell they are right now. Uh, I, you know, right now I was watching Michael Steele. I listened to his uh, his, uh, his his radio show on on Sirius XM and Steel and Unger. And, you know, one of the things Michael Steele is right now, he, he does not recognize his party. You know, right now, there is, I mean, you would think that a, a figure like Paul Ryan, who is going to run for president in 2020, he is going to run for president in 2020. Um, and he is going to be a formidable candidate to to Hillary Clinton. The problem is, well, you know what? Honestly, that might be a little bit of a, of a stretch right now given the, the Trump coalition because that coalition is not going away. <laughs> you, know, you know, of they're course, not. they're not. And a lot of them are former Democrats. These are the people who voted for Jack Murphy. These are the people who voted exactly. for Robert Byrd. These are the people who voted for most of the Democratic
1: caucus in, in my home state of Tennessee. These are the folks who voted for... Uh, uh, what's the name of that white Democrat out of South Carolina who House of Cards is based on? Those are the people who voted for him. Um, those are the folks who voted for John Barrow, the last white Democratic congressman out of out of Georgia. I mean, these this is the former Democratic Party, and we're not going to probably get them back because. And honestly, I don't really want them back. I don't want us to become that party that panders to. Um, their fear. And I think the problem is, is you can't get these, these folks have been so radicalized by um, the right-wing media and by the Republican Party's strategy that the Democrats have no hope of winning them back on a a message of of economic populism. Economic populism could get those folks back because they need it. And, you know, somebody like Bernie resonates with them because these are, these are folks who, who frankly need economic populism. But, um, you know, I think we're going to have to figure out a strategy based on what Obama did, except the challenge will be to get the house back. If now, how do you, how do you get an Obama type coalition voting cycle after cycle after cycle?
0: That's the key. But the question becomes this, is that the Obama coalition, like you said, is tied to a candidate where we're, we're, we're movement type individuals, which is why Bernie Sanders really caught fire with 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 millennials. Now, that that in and of itself isn't enough, but when you talk about economic populism, honestly, and, and I'm and let's 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 be honest here, if those folks in the Pennsylvania Tea or those folks in Southern Virginia or or in and or in South Georgia or those folks in, in, in the uh, in the Rust Belt of Ohio, um, if if those folks really wanted to understand economic populism, it's with the Democratic agenda, because the Democratic agenda is the only thing that the only agenda that actually uh, supports the very things that Republicans have spent the last twenty years gutting, like unions and um, and fair wages. So how do we how do we get back? To an argument that says, look, I get what Donald Trump is saying to you. I understand because I was I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, you know, you know, gearing up for this for this interaction with you. And that I, I still feel we're in a situation like, for example, the reason why there was not a national health care system in the 1950s was largely due to the fact that southern whites did not want blacks to have health care it's no different than social security the reason why social security was done the way it was done was because whites didn't want blacks to have to have social security you know you know blacks were barred from it so how do we get that argument back from republicans who don't make that argument it's now that trump came along and he's now flipped the coin upside down and He's making this argument about economic populism, but it's not. It's really nationalism. It's really, you know, we want to get our country back from the black and brown people. But on top of that, we also want to support democratic policies. That, a, how do we square here, that?
1: Here's the thing, you know, racial politics is everywhere. It is everywhere. It is in big cities where you have white liberals and you have black Democrats you will see clashes. I see it here in Metro Atlanta. So racial politics is everywhere. So what you see with Donald Trump is some of the ugliest racial politics out there because it's pronounced
0: like... Unabashed and unashamed. (laughs) It's
1: very pronounced racism. And, you know, Donald Trump is like the candidate for people who, uh, you know, the dog whistles weren't enough. They, they, They wanted him to tell it like it is. Basically them saying he tells it like it is. Is basically them saying he doesn't need to dog whistle like the other Republicans. He doesn't need to, um, you know, shop, stop short of saying, you know, the horribly offensive thing. He's going to go through with it, and um, that makes them feel so good because, you know, essentially, and, and and this is how it's been for a really really long time. The wealthy one percent of this country essentially had. Everything to do with your poor whites turning against black people because how is that? And 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 that that is because um, the reality is is they've been screwed over for centuries by the wealthy in this country. You know they've made the wealthy in this country have made them fight their wars. They made them fight the Civil War. You know the plant the it wasn't the plantation owners fighting the Civil War. It was it was your poor whites who didn't own slaves, but they were fighting for the right for the for you know. Wealthy southerners to to own the slaves, and so um, you know maybe some of the generals owned slaves, you know, because they were the more affluent people, your more senior officers maybe, but you know your enlisted uh, soldier in this in the Confederate Army they they didn't have slaves, and you know the major vast majority were enlisted, and so um, where I'm going with this is they did that so essentially the masses of working class whites don't turn on them they say well blame it on these immigrants blame it on these blacks blame it on you know mexicans and they've done it in very very smart ways they've done it with good messaging you know it started with the democrats the southern democrats and then the republicans you know took it from the democrats playbook the dixiecrats playbook and you know, that's how Nixon got elected, and it's part of how Reagan got elected. And
0: the silent um, majority.
1: <laughs> and so I think um, there's going to have to be a mass education. Uh, if, if, if you want that group of people to vote differently, they're going to have to get educated on the fact that the real reason why they hate the establishment is the establishment's been sucking them over economically. They, they, they know that they should be hating the elites of the Republican Party, but they don't know why. And it's really sad. They think it's because they're not being conservative enough. But the reality is they should dislike them because they're getting screwed
0: by them. Right. Now, you know, I, I, I heard this this um, moniker of Donald Trump from a Trump supporter that he is a blue collar billionaire That uh, he speaks like the common man, if the common man speaks like a blithering idiot. But he speaks like the common man. I'll give him that. And it 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 is unbelievable to me how, for example, a poor white person from Alabama, you can never afford to stay in a Trump hotel. Although I can and you can and we're Democrats, but you can't afford to stay in the Trump Hotel. Now, personally, would I ever stay in a Trump Hotel now? No. Now, before this election, I probably would have. But now, I don't want to support his brand, and I certainly don't want any of my friends supporting his brand, and I think his brand's going to, like Mark Cuban said, it's going to take a, a massive hit after this election is over. Nonetheless, how do you get a blue-collar billionaire brand with, with an economic policy that's going to give a trillion-dollar... A year tax cut for the next 10 years to the wealthy in the country. How's that possible?
1: Well, a lot of that groundwork was laid by the Republican Party over the past 40 plus years. You know, it started with Nixon's Southern strategy, where they appealed to the, the white identity politics and got them to vote for the elitist party you know, the reality is, yeah, um, they give red meat to what is called the base, the working class base. And they do hold some power because those are their vote. Those are the masses of their voters. But the people they're really serving are the social elite Republicans who, you know, live in usually big city suburbs. And they are big time executives. They're Doctors, they're lawyers, and they're they're well off, white folks, and you know they're very privileged people. Think Mitt Romney, his type. That is the real base of the Republican Party, but they use essentially the common man to get them in power, and it's really brilliant. The way they their messaging, it's brilliant. The the way they do it, and and so. Trump comes along and he's he's promising to just, you know, do everything that um, all these establishment Republicans aren't delivering on because they never planned to deliver on it in the first place. They just set it for votes. They couldn't repeal Obamacare. How are you going to repeal Obamacare when Obama's still in office and going to veto it? Like they they made all these promises that were, you know, frankly, bullshit to get votes, to get power, to, you know, essentially get a majority in in Congress and in the state houses in the state legislators and in the governorships. And um, Trump is uh, the ultimate product of that. He they laid down the groundwork for Trump. Trump would not have been able to run if the Republicans had not done a Southern Strategy 2.0 in 2010. Based off fear and hatred of President Obama, and so
0: that's how we have Donald Trump. And and, you and know, a lot
1: of it, a lot of it was was racial. They they did use race. The, the Tea Party has used race. The the Republican establishment has used race to mobilize people. They they it, it's racially tinged, and so that is that's where you get the demand for Trump. And you know their post election assessments. The, di- the diagnostic, the autopsy, said they needed more minorities, but the base was thinking, "No, that's not it. We just we
0: you need just to be more conservative.
1: More, we need to be more conservative. <laughs> and Trump's not really more conservative; he's just more nationalist.
0: Right. He's more, and I hate to say it, and, and you know, forgive me to to the listeners. He's more white power, and I don't say that with the KKK." Ku Klux Klan kind of kind of slang. You know, I'm literally saying Donald Trump is for a more whiter, pure America. There's a reason why the KKK and white nationalism or white nationalists have attached themselves to his campaign. There's a reason why a, a, an individual like David Duke has attached himself to Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump can you know disavow this all day long, but you are, in some level, can you imagine for one moment if? A major i don't know if the black panther party were a were a serious party in this country can you imagine if a black panther leader were to come out in support of hillary clinton cutting ads for her and distributing literature uh on, on behalf of her campaign even though she might disavow it can you imagine what sean hannity and what uh, uh, the uh, the Laura Ingrams and Donald Trump would say if something like that were to be un- would be uncovered, you'd never hear the end of it. I mean, literally, a presidency was almost well, a candidacy was almost destroyed by Reverend Wright, and that was the tip of the iceberg. You know, so what I want to now kind of pivot to is 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 let's talk about the race. Okay, we're now twelve days out. Um, we're now in the two-minute drill of politics, and um, the race has tightened a little bit. I will, um, I will uh, go ahead and uh, uh, make that disclaimer. Uh, last, you know, two weeks ago, this was a ten-point race. It's actually an eight-point race according to the RCP uh, average. Uh, today, it's now a five-point eight race. However, in 2012, this was a .7, it was a a virtual tie, and the president won by four. So what's the state of the race right now?
1: You know, Hillary is clearly the, not just the slight favorite, but the overall dominant favorite. And I'm going by polls, I'm going by prediction markets, which factor in uh, polls and a variety of other. Drivers, you know, you know, five thirty-eight uh, still has her above eighty percent chance of winning. I think by election day it could be down to seventy something, uh, yeah, high sixties at the at the lowest. It's been that's dropping. If, that's that's if Trump continues to um, win over independents and the rest of the Republicans. That that's a big if. There's a good chance that Trump could become stagnant at some point, or Hillary could surge again. Um, but yeah, the prediction models, and you know what, 538 is the most conservative prediction models. There are several giving her 90 95% chance, even today. You know, they're 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 all in the 80s or above, and so, um, I still think Hillary has the same lead she had two weeks ago. Wow, I, <laughs> I, a- I do, I do, and I think, um, you know. There's a lot of polls that come out that um, they're very, very conservative with their likely voter estimation. And I think the Democratic electorate is going to surprise people. I think um, Hillary's superior ground game is is doing a lot. And I, I think early voting numbers are are showing that. You know, I've looked at some early voter numbers, and they're impressive. You
0: they know, are impressive. In North Carolina right now, in North Carolina, for example, um, she is winning the early vote by, by nearly 20 points right now. In Florida, she's winning the early vote by nearly 10 points right now. Um, and right now, of course, you know, in North Carolina, it is critical for her to win uh, Charlotte-Mecklenburg and, of course, uh, Fayetteville County around uh, Raleigh-Durham. Uh, she has to win those suburbs, um, those counties, and she's got to run the vote up in those counties because that's where President Obama won North Carolina by I want what was it twelve thousand votes something like that and uh, in, in twenty and uh, two thousand and eight. So the early vote matters. For example, in Ohio, the reason why Ohio was a big win for the president was because. He won the early vote by such a large margin because he won the early vote, but he lost the election day totals. I'm, I'm not sure if you remember that, but he lost on election day, but he'd run up the race. He'd run up the, the numbers so high in the early vote that Mitt Romney couldn't catch up, especially in Cuyahoga County. So right now, if, if you had to give your prediction on the point spread in this election of course, the both of you, both of us believe that Hillary Clinton's going to win, of course. What does she win by?
1: I think she's going to win by about six or seven points.
0: Is that a landslide?
1: I think in today's partisan divide it is. Okay. Okay. I think she gets 50% of the vote. I think she's going to reach 50. Um, I think Donald Trump gets 43, 44%. He, He gets a little bit of a boost because you're going to have some conservative-leaning independents who uh, breaking, vote for
0: him. Yeah, breaking I, fast. I, I, hello. Yes. you Hear me. Yep.
1: Okay. You're going to have uh, Republicans coming back towards him. I think a lot of Republicans are going to just, you know, go ahead and decide to vote for him. Um, their their partisanship is going to take over, and uh, but I think ultimately. Um, the never-Trump element, the uh, moderate Republican element that um, Hillary is is pulling in some case, it's going to make it not even close. So I am uh, predicting an electoral landslide still. I think she's going to win almost every single swing state. My my opinion still stands.
0: I, I, I don't believe she's going to win Iowa, and right now I am not— Ohio has been one of those states that is just very, very difficult to call. Um, And although, and I'm thinking, we're going to see a 2012 electorate more than a 2004 electorate. Um, I think you've been talking a lot more about a 2004 electorate, where I think that favors more Trump than it favors Clinton. I really think we're going to see a 2012 electorate. Because the 2012 electorate wasn't as uh, as driven um, as they were in 2008, and he's already the president, and there's the, the luster's worn off, and he's got gray hairs, and you know, so the luster and, and had had worn off of the president a little bit, and I and I, I do believe we're we're looking at a more 2012 electorate, and uh, there have been some studies that are now showing that Hillary Clinton is getting the the, the exact same share if not higher of millennials than Obama got in two thousand twelve and two thousand and eight so she's heading towards what I do believe is a, is an an electoral landslide um but I want to talk about some scenarios because you brought something up that was interesting in our private conversation you you brought up a two sixty nine two sixty nine um apocalypse because that's what it would be <laughs> uh, um if there is a 269-269 uh, electoral college tie, um, which is very possible. Um, what states does Donald Trump have to win? And what happens on November 9th after Secretary uh, of State's certify elections across the country and we now take this thing to wherever it goes? What happens? And they unlike the unlikely scenario that that happens he has
1: to win everything that most of the maps are still calling swing States. So he's got to win. Um, he's got to win essentially Florida.
0: He's got to win in Florida. I've been, I've he's been saying there's no North path, Carolina. North Carolina,
1: Ohio, Iowa. He's, you know, of course he can't lose Arizona or Utah. You know, those are supposed to be red. He's got to win Nevada. And then if he steals New Hampshire from the more northeastern swing states, he gets 269. But in order for him to win, he's got to steal some states that aren't even called swing states anymore. Pennsylvania, no longer swing. Wisconsin, no longer swing. Minnesota, going by polling, no longer swing. Michigan, not a swing state. Virginia, not a swing state. Going by polling. Okay. (laughs)
0: So, so Nevada, Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, and uh, New Hampshire put this race at 269, 269, and literally all hell breaks loose. Now, folks, I, I'll say this to you right now. If you think that the last 15 months has been awful, <laughs> wait. If this, in the un- like, like John says, in the unlikely event this were to happen, literally all hell would break loose it would be a, a a political a calamity not seen i don't even think bush v gore i don't think bush gore would make this um boy can you think of anything that would top this politically i can't
1: um <laughs> i think i think this would be one of the worst things for American politics ever? And absolutely. I think there's a chance the House would not choose Donald Trump as president.
0: Oh, I, I I disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that. I disagree. It's a it's 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 a Republican-controlled House. Do you think for one moment that?
1: No, no. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that. Um. Well, you know what? Good point. Good point. The, um, you do. There is a more unlikely scenario where they where they could have the option of not choosing Trump. So if Evan Which is McCallin, true,
0: they could choose any president. They can actually choose anyone. But do you think the American people, if Donald Trump gets 49 million votes, would accept an Evan McMullen who might who might might on the off chance get half a million votes nationwide? Do you think they select their own president? Do you think they say, you know what? Donald Trump, we don't want you as president. We're going to select Paul Ryan. Or we're going to select Ron Paul. Or, God forbid, Jed Bush or Marco Rubio. Do you really think well, something like that would happen?
1: I think it would. And I think the argument is it wouldn't be a Democratic election, anyways. You know, there's no winner. There's no electoral winner. Um, you know, you'd have whoever wins the popular vote. So if Democrats won the popular vote, and only got 269, you would have half the population, basically, um,
0: you know, not... Represented. Wow, that... Yeah, essentially. That's scary. And
1: so, since neither population um, won, since neither group won, I think it would almost be fair for them to choose someone else. That's, That's my opinion, because... Um, but, you know, going by the constitution, they can do whatever they want, they but, could. you know, that's just, that's just my argument. I think that's uh, close to a 0% chance of that happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think election night, there's going to be a wave. I think the wave is more than likely going to be for Democrats. I think the Democrats are going to pick up the Senate by about two seats,
0: Wow. Two. Uh, We only need five. So you think we're, so you think we're getting seven seats?
1: I think there's a good chance of it. I think, um, I think that there, I think you can't write off North Carolina, even though uh, Richard Burr has the advantage there. I think, um, you, you really can't write off Florida, even though Rubio has been ahead the whole time. If there's a wave in Florida, if there's a turnout in Florida, that's amazing. Of Democrat, Democrat only voters, African American voters, non-Cuban uh, Hispanic voters. Uh, you know, Patrick Murphy could win that
0: seat. No, no, he's got he's down by six right now. I mean, right now in the uh, five thirty eight average got Rubio head by six. Um, it's, it's
1: still not. It's still not. It's not out of the question. Not out of I'm the saying. question. It's, it's 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 leaning. It's leaning red. Likely red at the most. I think, Nevada. I think Nevada is going to uh, go Democrat.
0: Is Kelly Ayotte done in New Hampshire? No, I think... I, 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 well, yeah, I would
1: say so. I think Maggie Hassan is going to win that. Right now, she's we're up by three. We're find out that race really quickly. If Maggie Hassan wins New Hampshire, I think there's a good chance we're going to have a Democratic wave.
0: Oh, absolutely. I agree. I, I I. think I think uh, we, we take Nevada. Uh, I think we do take... Um, Pennsylvania, I believe we take New Hampshire. I believe we take um, Indiana. Indiana. Uh-huh. Um, Ohio's off the map now. Portman is ahead by by 10. That's, um, just, just, that's a shame, too. That is a shame. Now, I didn't believe that T- I did not believe Strickland was a great candidate to run anyway, but it is a shame that Portman is ahead by 10. In a state like Ohio where you've got Sherrod Brown who's probably going to get reelected you know, by probably 10 points for, for Portman to be up by 10 is, is, is unbelievable. Um, we're going to win Wisconsin. Ron John, uh, uh, Russ Feingold is going to wipe the map with, uh, with Ron Johnson and in, uh, in Wisconsin. What are we up to now? So we got uh, Indiana, we got Illinois, we got Nevada, we got New Hampshire. Don't forget about
1: North Carolina. It's not out of the question. If there's a wave. If, if, if New Hampshire is won by a lot, I think there's a fair chance that that wave could sweep down to North Carolina. North Carolina is, you know, the early voting numbers in in North Carolina are looking good. And I think that could boost um, uh, Deborah Ross in her race. What about
0: Missouri? Missouri uh, with with, uh, Kander and Blunt? Jason Kander. I forgot. Yeah,
1: 538 is now favoring Jason Kander. So that's six
0: seats. Where's the seventh one?
1: He is... Um, I'm guessing the seventh one would have to be, um, I would say it's going to have to be Florida. Uh,
0: So we've already got, let's see here, we've got uh, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Nevada, New Hampshire. Uh, You're saying North Carolina, but I'm not sold on North Carolina yet. Um, And then we've got, of course, Pennsylvania with Pat Toomey and Katie McGinty. So that's six seats. And we only need five. So... I believe we're going to win the Senate back. That's why 538 is giving us about a 65% chance of winning the Senate back. Now, I want to talk to you about this. And this is a question that was brought up yesterday. And I want you to give me your honest opinion. Okay, so you know right now we've got a Supreme Court that is 8-8. And we've got a Supreme Court nominee uh, right now sitting on the bench waiting for confirmation hearing by the president currently Um And his name escapes me. Help me out here. Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. Garland. Thank you. Judge Merrick Garland. Right. Okay. He's out of the D.C. Circuit. Okay. If the Democrats take back the Senate, do you see a scenario in which Republicans in the lame duck confirm Merrick Garland? Or do you?
1: They're absolutely going to confirm Merrick Garland because of a Democratic majority, Hillary is going to put in more than likely a liberal woman. And the Democrats will confirm.
0: Question number two. Is there any chance the president withdraws his nomination if let's say the incoming uh the, the, the incoming um if president elect Clinton, Clinton's transition team, or if she asks the president in their private meeting, withdraw your nomination? Do you think the president uh withdraws his nomination to give Clinton her chance to to, to to nominate her own Supreme Court uh, justice. Um,
1: I doubt it. I doubt Hillary does that. I think Hillary, if
0: oh wow, I, I, I
1: personally, <laughs> ah, I know, disagree like, with
0: you on that one, boy. <laughs> I, I
1: think I think here's I think the Republicans are going to have a conference, like the day after. Uh, they'll probably have some sort of conference. They will huddle, and you know. Um, the, you know, Ted Cruz obviously won't agree to this, but, um, the majority of the senators are going to be like, we need to go ahead and confirm Merrick Garland.
0: Do you think Merrick Garland is, is, is a closet, I wouldn't say a closet liberal, but he's a moderate judge, but do you think he's going to be more along the lines of a Briars or a Kennedy? I mean, what, what kind of judge do you think he is?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think he's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for that matter. Oh, I
0: yeah, of think, course not.
1: I don't think he's a, you know, third good Marshall by any means. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think he's, I think he's a reliable um, justice on the issues that matter to progressives, like voting rights. I see him. President Obama wouldn't nominate anybody who isn't going to be strong on voting rights, who isn't going to be strong on, um, you know.
0: On criminal justice women's, reform. women's right yeah
1: criminal justice you know I think I think uh, he has the branding of a moderate because he's you know a white male who may have you know voted in who may have ruled in favor of conservatives a few times he might have some good references to that conservatives might like but um, I personally um, you know I think if you know he probably doesn't have an anti-gun record, Right. Um, the only the only reason they're literally holding him up is um, because uh, you know that's a big blow.
0: It's a for, huge blow. It for Scalia
1: it, to be replaced by a liberal and it moves the know, court
0: six three. And so I think um, you know,
1: and here's the thing: you know, the Chief Justice John Roberts, he's not even a reliable conservative.
0: No, <laughs> I mean he literally <laughs> upheld. I mean John Roberts, for those who don't 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 know. John Roberts is the one that saved Obamacare. He saved the Affordable Care Act. Anthony. And on, Honestly, bef- leading up to it, everyone believed that Anthony Kennedy was going to be the one that saved it. They're looking for Anthony Kennedy to save it. And he gave the most scathing um, he gave the most scathing um, um, uh, my, 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 my words are skipping me here um, dissent to the Affordable Care Act ruling. Uh, to the to the mandate ruling, it was Justice Roberts who sided with the liberals uh, to save uh, the Affordable Care Act. So you're right; he's not even a he's not even a, a really uh, solid conservative. Um, but looking forward to the next uh, 12, 11, 12 days now. Uh, Hillary Clinton tomorrow will be in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She'll be in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, she'll be in. Uh, Tim Kaine will be in Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Florida, and the president's back on the on the trail tomorrow. He'll be in Orlando, Florida, so you know where this campaign is now. It's now all about holding on to Florida. They were in North Carolina today. I don't see them going back to Pitts uh, back to Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania is off the map. I think they're going to camp themselves out in Ohio and Florida uh, for the next. 10 days and see where this thing goes. Um post the election, November 9th, um what do you see Donald Trump doing? Like I, I mean I I mean honestly, what what does what well, you know what? Let me take a step back. What does Donald Trump do on election night when we are prepared to elect uh, the first female president in our 240 year history what does donald trump say in his concession speech of course i'm in my mind thinking you know there's going to be chance of lock her up or probably impeach or whatever his supporters can think, think of i think
1: he's going to get booed oh I
0: no think he's gonna come get on booed. come uh, on by his own people i, I, I think don't think he, i don't think he gets booed i think he rouses those folks up i think he gets them riled up I think I, I believe there'll be chance of lock her up or impeach. I think yeah, there'll be yes, chance yes. of raid. He's going
1: to rile them up at first. He's going to rile them up at first, but he's going to give in to the pressure. You, you, you've got to understand Trump wins no matter You know, there's there are some arguments that Trump wins no matter what. Trump is. I do think Trump is going to launch a TV network. I do think Trump is going to rebrand himself based off what he branded himself um there in the election season and he's gonna you know he's gonna go back into business. He's gonna be the same Donald Trump. Um, you know, I honestly yeah, his brand is gonna suffer, but at the end of the day I think he's gonna find a way to do well. There is a market for him. There is. And this election showed that. So he just has to rebrand his business to to be geared towards uh who, who is going to like him. Second, I do think he's gonna concede I think overwhelming pressure is going to make him do it. Donald Trump has shown that if you pressure him enough, he'll do it. He's going to half-ass it. He's going to talk about how crooked the media is right? Um, and how crooked the Washington establishment is. Um, I think he'll congratulate Hillary. I do. While at the same time calling her evil. He'll, he'll figure out a way to do both. But I do think he's going to concede. I think he's going to... Surpass our expectation, you if, know. Like it, the, the bar is so low with Donald Trump that if he comes off as a decent human being in his concession, <laughs> halfway decent human being, that everyone's going to like it. And so I think the bar has been set so low that his concession speech isn't going to be his concession isn't going to be as bad as we think it is. I,
0: I've, I've already asked you this before, and I want to get your opinion again. And I, I really want people to understand this. Um, and. You know, I think the New Yorker did a very fine job. I, and I would encourage you, you listeners to go and get last week's edition of the New Yorker that explains why uh, basically going out and endorsing Hillary Clinton. It is a very well-written article um, about how capable of a woman, um, how capable of a candidate Hillary Clinton is. And they actually said she deserved a better opponent. And she really did. I believe this election would be a t- 2012 Basically, virtual tie if this for John Kasich. I think John Kasich would have would would have wiped the floor with Hillary Clinton. But that's just me. But why are why is this not as pivotal or historic of an election? Well, I mean, we're getting ready to elect the first woman president, and it doesn't feel like two. I mean, 2008, I cried. My mother cried my sister cried my friends cried i mean there were there you know grant park i mean i mean how many people were in grant park it was like 100,000 people in grant park i, I mean it was just euphoria and we're about to elect the first woman president in a 240 year history of a male dominated office and there's literally like Oh, hum.
1: I think it's going to hit us. I do think she's going to get the moment she deserves. She has been treated very unfairly by the far left and mainly the far right. And it's tarnished her brand unfairly because she's a politician who's unperfect, who stretches the truth sometimes. And she's not good <laughs> at hiding it and sugarcoating it because that's just not who she is. But the reality is the stuff she does that makes her less likable is very typical of politicians. Politicians do that stuff. They do worse. Not excusing it, but I'm saying she gets more scrutiny because she's Hillary. I think there is a gender element to it um, because – No woman has ever shown this much ambition and gotten this far in the political game. So, of course, she's going to face more scrutiny, kind of like Obama did as the the black person to to, to blaze that trail. So I think – I do think it's going to be a huge deal. But I do think that just like there's backlash racism towards Obama's election, there's going to be backlash sexism
0: towards women. Uh, over the
1: election of Hillary. And I, and I think that's something that we should have, we should learn our, our, we should learn from over the past eight years, you know, yeah. just because we cross a barrier doesn't mean everything's been fixed and that there's not still barriers for women, especially women of color. You know, a lot of people would argue, well, this is a big moment for white women. And uh, I think it's a big moment for all women, but I do think that, um, you know, black women face barriers that, that white women do not. And I think uh, I think it's significant that um, Hillary's most important surrogate right now, it seems to be a Michelle black Obama. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge. I think
0: that that's is huge
1: considering um, black women face probably more sexism than white women do. Because you've heard, I don't know if you've heard this a lot, but white feminists tend to not take up for black women. They don't. And it's, it's really kind of disgusting and it's really kind of disgusting because at the end of the day, um, you know, black women carry a huge burden. And I think, um, you know, I think what what my hope that this presidency does is brings about an honest conversation on gender and, 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 and sex and, and, uh, you know, I think, um, it can be good for men. It can be good for women. But if we have the same reaction that we did to this first black president, it can be toxic. Be so toxic. we can't. Yeah. We can't expect Hillary to fix everything. We've got to stop expecting presidents to fix everything. We 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 have to expect, you know, a good policy, good policy making, good reforms, um, and that can only be done if she has a Congress that can work with her. So. I can't stress enough how important um, the down ballot is uh, in 12 days, and you know, I, not just the Senate but the House. You know, I expect to see. I say
0: 15. Uh, 15 I say 15 to 15. 20 seats be picked up. 15 to 20.
1: Yeah. And you know, I would just—it would just be like an early Christmas present if somehow
0: the oh Democrats boy. took back the House. Oh wow! Oh wow! That'd be a—that would be a—that would be a political earthquake. I'd be an earthquake. That's going
1: to require a wave bigger than we expected. A huge wave. And, and, and that's the thing. The wave in 2014, the Republicans had, was bigger than we expected. It was. So I'm hoping the Democrats can have a wave bigger than we expect, and I think getting back the House and the Senate would force the Republicans to really do some soul-searching and be like, okay, we have to change.
0: While I, while I have you for the f- – f- for the last couple of minutes here. I don't know what what year were you born? 84. 84. So we're both 84 babies. In our lifetimes, here are the presidents we've had. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Clinton. Talk about an absolute. D- I mean, political dynasty. We have had our entire lifetimes in our in our young adult lives a Bush or a Clinton over our country. Is that is that is that healthy? Is that just by chance? Are these people just more you know politically savvy than than their opponents? I mean,
1: they're just extremely privileged. is, is how I would put it. You know, I think. Every administration since we've born has had a Bush or a Clinton.
0: A Bush or a Clinton. Absolutely. You know,
1: because, you know, Bush was in the Reagan administration.
0: Absolutely. he's vice president. Yeah. And so Clinton was in
1: the Obama administration as secretary of state. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So so we have had a Bush or Clinton um, since
0: 1981.
1: Wow. So, you know, I think the Bushes and the Clintons are— Uh, they are American monarchs essentially. (laughs) And, you know, I think, you know, we, we have the Kennedys, we have the Rockefellers, we have, you know, the Rothschilds, you know, we have, it's, it's, America has, has always had these dynasties. And I think, um, you know, I think every now and then somebody comes along who is not part of the, uh, dynasties. But it's not often. I mean, yeah, Trump is the anti establishment candidate, but look what he comes from. He comes from more wealth uh, than even most of these dynasty families.
0: But I'll tell you this, though. He has absolutely, and, and I'll say this, I think his entire family is disgusting. I, I, I really do. I think his son, I think, was it, I think, I want to say Eric Trump Jr. is the one that made the you know, firing up the gas chamber or remark or whatever Donald the case Trump, may be.
1: Donald Trump Jr.?
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's the one that made that comment. I think those people, his sons in particular, not Barron, I don't you know I don't want to dis- disparage a, a 10-year-old, but his older sons I think are just as disgusting and as racist as he is. This is my personal opinion by listening to them with what they talk about with Alex Jones and on those alt-right uh, networks. But I think he has destroyed any chance of those two gentlemen, his two sons, ascending to Republican power. Because honestly, had Donald Trump won the presidency, if he wins the presidency, he sets up his kids, you know, Ivanka included. I don't don't know about Tiffany, but I know Ivanka is really going to probably run for some kind of public office. And I definitely know Don Jr. is going to run for public office. He set them up for a public office run. But I want to ask you this, is there any chance we see an Obama dynasty? Because right now it, Michelle Obama just looks too damn natural. She looks just too natural doing it, man. Is there any chance that if if Dick Durbin or Chuck Schumer were to leave the Senate, that she run? That 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 Barack Obama lets her run for the Senate. I, I hate saying "lets." I, I... Well,
1: the, the most immediate thing would be for them to grab a residence in Virginia which they actually don't have to have. There's no. Oh, wow. Residency you were right about right? that. Yeah. And be appointed to Tim Kaine's seat. Like oh, Michelle man. would be, that would be the immediate thing. And they do plan on living in the DC area
0: what? afterwards. Right.
1: So Virginia would be the immediate place that she, she, she could run and probably get it.
0: Oh, she'd and, win. I've, she'd absolutely win.
1: Um, but she would be appointed by Terry McCullough first. Um, and I think, I think that would be good for midterm politics. In my opinion, to get Michelle Obama in the Senate um, and have her husband on the side working as a super operative, which oh essentially God. he
0: is. Oh boy, that would be so, that'd be something special. I really do so, think that'd yeah, be something special.
1: I, I actually hope that that does happen. I think Michelle Obama should get an appointed um, Senate seat, and then obviously
0: she would get elected by a landslide because she would bring out the Democratic electorate like <laughs> no know? other. Young black women. You've oh my goodness! in midterms more than oh. you've
1: ever seen them doing.
0: <laughs> you, you, I said this today into myself, preparing for this. Um, that would be the Republicans' worst nightmare. How do you campaign against her? Like, how do you campaign against Michelle Obama? Do you really go out there on Fox News and attack her the way you've attacked Hillary Clinton? Are you out of your mind? Oh, my God, that would be that if you want to see folks, if you want to see what it looks like to put Republicans really on the back burner, to put them against the wall, start drafting, you know, Michelle Obama for Senate or Michelle Obama for what for a governor of Virginia, whatever, because that's the Republicans worst nightmare, John. Any uh, any closing comments from you, my friend, before I let you go?
1: You know, I just want to encourage people to get out to vote. Your vote matters. Even if you're not in a swing state, there's got to be something on the ballot that's important. You know, there's always constitutional amendments and referendums. There's always uh, county, state level, uh, state legislative seats. Um, you know, the president has gotten involved with state legislative races. He's, he's done endorsements all the way down to the state legislative level. So just make sure you get out and vote. Your vote matters no matter where you are. Your vote matters. You know, you, you, there's more than the presidency at, at stake. So even if you're not in a state that's in play for the presidency, I need you to go out and vote Um, you know, for everything else that's on the ballot.
0: The next time we talk, John, will be November the 7th. Absolutely. November the 7th. It's going to be a wild day. And I can't wait uh, for 24 hours out uh, out from Election Day. John, it's been a pleasure having you on, my friend. Thank you once again. I will talk to you next week, the day before the election, one day out folks my friend John Jackson John thank you for ha- thank you for for appearing one more time it's been fun man this is this oh, is yeah. it's, been it's been fun a lot of, fun. It's been a lot it's of been fun a lot of fun and and i'm glad i'm glad this is the home stretch we got one more one more to do and we're going to talk about a whole host of things and next week we'll strike it up again my friend talk to you later okay all right thanks yep well there you have it folks 11 days out you heard it from John go vote no matter who you're voting for, folks, go out and vote. We got down ballot races all down the ticket. Um, there's a whole host of issues that you may want to really, truly research right now. you can go on uh, online and look at your state ballot. Look at the questions. Look at the initiatives that are on your state ballots. Um that you might be interested in. You may not know that there might be an initiative on your state ballot that raises your taxes, uh, that raises your property taxes. You don't know, but you got to get out there and you got to vote. It has been a pleasure. Uh, Wall-to-wall politics. Let me think out loud. I'll see you all next week.